Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, special late night draft reactions. Alex is so mad. Guys, you don't understand. Alex is furious. It is genuinely really funny how mad he is, um, which is taking the edge off how concerned I am about what the Thunder did. <laughs> so I, I tweeted this and my... My thing with with draft reactions is obviously we have no idea. But here's my thing. I am more than willing to admit when I'm wrong about a sports take. Therefore, I am also I do not feel bad about overreacting. Okay, yes, I was wrong about that. But I really, really, really hate what the Thunder did tonight. Grant, you know, their night isn't over. There's still one more pick on the board. Um, I do feel like a lot of things came into, like, we kind of uh, we learned about what the Thunder are about um, in terms of what they feel like they need to do in the rebuild tonight that I just didn't, I wasn't clear on beforehand, um, which I feel like I am now. Um, and I really just got to say that I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like the plan that they seem to have kind of formed. Yeah. I'll say this about it. What the Thunder did tonight was so weird that I hesitate to judge it. Um, coming in, taking... Giddy at six. I mean, I guess we should talk about what they actually did. Took Giddy at six, traded 16 for two future firsts from the Rockets that are actually the Pistons and Wizards picks um, with varying predictions over the next like five years. Um, and then taking Trey Mann at 18 um, and then trading 34 and 36 for 32 to take Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Who I was that pick was so surprised. I'm not sure I said his names in the correct order. Um, I um, this is the thing is I j so a few things. Obviously, Giddy at six was like something that had been discussed, but not seriously. I think everybody had assumed that that pick was gonna be Book Knight or Kaminga. Um, if we were really honest with ourselves, either Book Knight or Kaminga. And the reality is that Book Knight fell to 11. So maybe everybody's fucking wrong about James Book Knight. I don't know. Um, uh, the trading 16 is weird because Alperin Shingun was taken with pick number 16. And he theoretically plays a position of need for the Thunder and is theoretically super skilled, which also seems to be where the Thunder want to go with this. So they, but they passed on him, which, impl which implies a level of particularity in this approach that I find difficult to reckon with. Like there's something more apparently, I guess. Um, because if it was just about taking skilled guys, then you probably take Alperin Shingun because he's incredibly skilled. But you trade back and you take Trey Mann, 
who's kind of a reach at 18, almost certainly, but who probably isn't there at like 34. Um, so it's, um, that's all really weird. Um, and then you trade up two spots in the second to grab a guy that I'm, <laughs> who did we need, who did we need to jump for Jeremiah Robinson Earl? Who, who had 33? Um, I honestly don't even know. I my thing with with those kind of trades, like I understand that there is like value plays and everybody gets get one value, and I I I do it too. But at the same time, you have to understand like we really don't know what the value of these guys are, right? right? We didn't know coming into tonight that Josh Primo had. There were teams in the in the league that had Josh Primo with lottery value and he went number 12 overall. Like I really liked Josh Primo, but I think I, in our last pod, I, I even mentioned him as a second round possibility. Yeah, so like, same. like clearly we cl- clearly, we don't actually know what the real value of these guys are. And I know like, there was a report, Santi Aldama last pick of the first round mm-hmm. mocked, Super late in the second round, mostly, mostly a round pick mocked. And uh, Memphis had to make a trade up to 30 because they knew that among maybe among other teams, Oklahoma City was super interested in Santi Aldama. So they felt like they had to get ahead of them to get Santi Aldama. And it seems like a weird value pick. You're trading. Like we're talking about a guy who's mocked in the late second. The Thunder have a late second. They have 55, right? So yeah. this is the thing about the value of these players is that it seems like this draft was extremely flat past, like, four. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were mocks getting giddy at 16 for the Thunder. You right. know, that's like where, that we, was that's where we said we would be comfortable getting him at is 16. And right. that could have happened. Right. Memphis theoretically traded up to take him at 10. Um, I think they did. You yeah. know, I think, among, you know, maybe Franz Wagner, another guy. So, like, I don't have a problem with going and getting the guys that you – you. I really don't. Even if it's, like, higher than I would want, I don't care, really. You know, if I liked a player – I think James Booknight is that kind of guy where six is probably too high for James Booknight, right? Like he is super athletic. He's also extremely limit seeker, but the reality is we like him as a player. So we would have been okay with him at six, right? Um, with Josh Giddy, I don't really like him as a player. You know, I, I don't see the, the appeal to Josh Giddy. And here's the thing. Are people that are way, way, way smarter than I am that really like Josh Giddy. There were people, you know, I was fuming the entire first round and into the second. And there were people that I really, really trust on NBA draft Twitter that were like, oh, I love what the Thunder are doing. There was one yeah. guy, uh, Ben Ben Pfeiffer. I think he had Josh Giddy number four. Yeah. And he was just like beside himself by how excited he was that Giddy went sixth to the Thunder. So, I realize that I could be completely wrong, 
and more than likely, I'm probably at least somewhat wrong about being super mad about what's happened, but um, it doesn't change the fact that I just, I don't like any of the picks that we made tonight so far. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm really not in a position to defend them. Like I think, you know, before we were drafting, you talked about your concerns with Giddy and you talked about your concerns with Trey Mann. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl, frankly, I like, I don't even know, Like he's, he's a wing. He can play basketball good, but he's not like <laughs> all three of these guys weakness, Sam Vecini weakness, not an explosive athlete. Um, and there's a degree to which I feel like maybe we're going to learn if that's important or not. Alex thinks it's very important. <laughs> um, I'm open to possibilities because this tonight was so weird. The Thunder didn't draft a center or they haven't yet. Um, so the Thunder don't have a center. Um, they're just I, presumably going to go into the season, start like starting Isaiah Roby at the five or Alexei Pokashevsky. Obviously there's a lot of time left and that like, they'll probably like reset resign Mike Muscala, but like Mike Muscala isn't the center of the future. There were centers available when the Thunder had picks. Usman Garuba, Alperen Shangun, who he said they had the pick that drafted Alperen Shangun and they traded it. So like now I'm... Well, that was that was so surprising like to me because I was I was getting excited. You know, I was, I mean, I was mad. After we took Giddy, like, you know, I was in our yeah. group, group DM uh, yeah. and I was, but leading up to that, I was like, if we take Giddy and Shangun, that's legitimately like, so that's legitimately very funny. That's like a funny thing to do. Yeah. So I was like, exactly excited for the meme of that. And then they traded that pick because apparently they don't yeah. like Shangun. Yeah. Or at least not more than two future first round picks. Um, so that was super disappointing to me um, as much as, you know, Shangun wouldn't have done anything to alleviate the concerns I have about what we're doing as a no, team. They would exacerbate, um, he would exacerbate them. And, and I guess I could kind of talk about what I feel like, you know, in my brain, an NBA team should look like or whatever, or whatever, or some a type of roster that I wouldn't be, upset with i guess and to me it's all about having a lot of balance in what you do right i think you could argue that the last version of the thunder um very too much to the the opposite end of the spectrum right they were super athletic they were super big um they weren't a lot of there were not a lot of skill guys on those teams right you know i, I don't know how many times we watch games thinking man there are two guys on the court that can dribble, shoot, and pass, you know? And I think that, you know, that's clearly not going to be an issue on the next version of the Thunder. But when you watch basketball, at the end of the day, most of the time, a guy that is bigger and more athletic than his opponent is going to have a distinct advantage. Like, you have to be significantly more skilled to overcome – an athleticism and size advantage disadvantage, I guess I should say. I think right. we just saw so this in the in the finals. Yeah. Like everyone talking about like everyone talking about that series going in 
was all the Suns are this perfect team. Like they're so well balanced in terms of every guy can do everything and they just they, they're a great team. And the Bucks, they were just fucking bigger, you know? And the Bucks did not shoot it well. The Bucks did not pass it. Like there were a lot of problems with the Bucks, but at the end of the day, the Bucks just mashed the shit out of the Suns with their size. And that overcame this perceived skill disadvantage that they had going in. Yeah. Um, I think um, with regards to the, um, with regards to the finals, I think there's, a, there's an obvious lesson there. I would hesitate to like take, to like say that this is like definitively the answer for the NBA, because I mean, the Bucks um, almost got run out of the league by a team that basically didn't play any defense at all. Now that team had three of probably the top five offensive players in the league on it. So, well, I wouldn't know that's too complimentary to Kyrie, but you know what I mean? Um, so there's, I mean, there's layers to this. Um, and no, don't nobody get it twisted. Josh Giddy is not Kevin Durant or Kyrie or even Kyrie Irving, you know, Trey Mann isn't Kyrie Irving or, uh, James Harden. Um, but I don't, I don't know if like because Giannis won a title, we can say definitively, athleticism always wins. Um, like when I talk about when I okay. think of my real, real ideal quick. team, oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, we're coming off the Lakers did the exact same thing, right? They were not like they had LeBron and AD. But that team was built mostly on physical advantages, right? Yeah. So I'm not – it's not just the Bucs. Like, it is other teams. And I think that you could argue um, – even look at, like, what the Clippers did this year. You know, they did it differently. They played small ball. A part of that reason that they played small ball so well is that they did have long average, obviously important. Marcus Morris, obviously important to that run. Um and so I just have concerns about whether or not the Thunder can can compete with that kind of team. Uh, yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, the saying is defense wins championships, and there's I mean, there's countless examples of that. Like, and this is what I say: like, I'm not here to like defend what the thunder did necessarily i'm interested in what the thunder did because i don't fully understand it um with regards to like when i think of my ideal team it's like five guys between the heights of six foot six and six nine with plus wingspans all of whom can pass dribble shoot and defend as a team um that's what i'd like to see and i don't need any of them to be stellar passers or stellar shooters or stellar defenders but as I mean, there's a degree to which like you would need one guy who can like go get a bucket. Um, but that's it. Um, and then everyone else can just do everything you need to do on a basketball court competently with a size advantage. That that's the basketball team I would like to see. Um, this isn't really that either. This is, um, I mean, there's size and giddy, you know, giddy's six, eight, six, eight, um, which is big for a guy who, projects as like a lead ball handler, I guess. Um, though what Josh Giddy is will become like is, is a, is a thing of question. 
Um, Trey Mann is six four six four. Like that is that yeah, you know, that's like good size for a point guard, but it's not good length for a point guard defensively. And you know, I he, Trey Mann is a smaller guy than I would like to see the draft, Thunder draft basically ever again. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is like six nine six nine. That's like sure, that's like a three, but again, like not a plus wingspan guy. Um, but what are, what these guys are are guys who theoretically have some feel to the game and are comfortable with the ball in their hands. Oh, again, like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, is is he really that though? Like, I mean, he has feel for the game. I, like, that's generally accepted. Um, so yeah, that's like, I don't know about this draft. It's weird, and like, it's weird enough that I'm like, I I kind of feel like I just have to wait and see like what's going on here. Um, the um, we can talk. About, did you think it was weird that we pushed the six like with sixteen we pushed? back in years because the Rockets had first round picks in this draft. They could have traded us. And I don't know if they ever offered us those, right? Those are probably, well, it's hard to say that they're more valuable than those picks because those picks will probably, those picks we got will probably convey somewhere around like 15 or 16, right? Oh yeah, that's, I would think so. Um, and that's certainly the hope. Um, right. So what's like taking those picks is like pushing the timeline back which doesn't feel like the thing the Thunder should want to do right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that there does need to be questions. Like, I mean, we have listened all week, you know, seen rumors, and there's been talks about Shea Gilgis Alexander being available. I don't think we took those very seriously. And I still, I mean, I'm not, I don't think the Thunder are trying to trade him for, you know, a couple of future firsts or whatever, but like, I do wonder if, you know, they're kind of like, I don't know if they, they might view Shea as kind of an inconvenience at this point. You know I, what I you mean? Know, I wouldn't go as far as to say inconvenience, but I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like pushing the timeline back back that implies that all those talks that Shea was untouchable, probably, or all those talks that Shea is not untouchable, probably some truth to that. Because yeah. like the implication that the Thunder want a longer timeline than Shea will give them is there if you want to see it. Um, Right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think we've talked about this. Like, I think that's the wrong play. Um, I do think that Shea, the Shea should be the timeline right now, you know, right. because it's, it's not like he's got three years. Like theoretically you have six years left of Shea. You know what I mean? That's a long time. Um, and if you build well, then you're building a 10 year window with that essentially. You know, you know, you could be building up to a 10 yard, 10 year window. And right now, like I saw someone tweet today, like, you know, I, they, they were being sarcastic, but they, I think they said something like, I understand why the thunder are so willing to trade Shea because, you know, if they get enough picks for him, they might wind up getting a guy as good as Shea. You know what I mean? And like, that's that is reality and that that's why i don't want us to trade him um anytime soon and i i don't think that what we we did tonight paints a clear picture in how they're gonna try and build around shay like it, it does kind of seem like you know these guys are i don't know it's it i giddy i guess theoretically could fit with shay offensively if he shoots it um Trey man, we've I 
I see a lot of Shea in Trey Mann in terms of how he scores and that he's he is very crafty and he's not very athletic. Um, and so that theoretically would work. But when you throw them all together, like that just that doesn't scream like, yeah, we're building around Shea to me. You know, it screams like we're we're taking the best players we like um, and just seeing what we've got, you know, and I just I question that decision. Um, and I, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it develops, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I have really grown on Shea over this offseason. Um, I don't know if it's just an increased perspective of how annoyingly good he was at times last season. Um, but I, you and I both came out of the 20, the bubble playoffs being like, yeah, Shea's going to be like a third option on a championship team at best. Do you still feel that? I think he's a second option. Um, and that's, you know, th- that's one of the big disappointments, I guess, in this draft is that, like, I don't think we got a guy in this draft that has the ceiling of a first option or even a second option to go with Shea. You know what I mean? And with with Book Knight and Kaminga, I think that there was – it's not that it was overly likely that that would happen, but I do think that there was a ceiling that that could happen, you know, I don't see a ceiling in which Josh Giddy can be the guy next to Shea. Like, I just don't. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I definitely, my opinion of Shea has grown. Like, I don't know how it couldn't after watching him this season. Like, he shot, you know, 42% from three on some really difficult shots. Um, it's it's kind of interesting viewing him, you know, on Twitter, like, Twitter just has like a problem. Like nobody rates anyone properly on Twitter. It's like some people think he's, you know, he's the best guard under 25 in the league. Other people are like, Oh, he's actually overrated at this point, you know? And I, I think that the reality is, is that he's just a really good building block that I do think is worth pursuing building around him now. Um, and that's seemingly not how the Thunder value him right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and this is when I say like, I don't fully understand what the thunder have done, which makes me hesitant to judge it. Um, I also think the thunder were trying to trade up. This was all but confirmed when, um, the Cavs took Mobley with three, um, the, uh, Woj's tweet specifically mentioned that teams were looking to trade and the Cavs ultimately decided to stay there. I think there's a degree to which like, it becomes a question of like, okay, if this chest, if this war chest doesn't help us move up, then is accelerating the timeline really a thing we can do? Yeah, well, I I, I think it just it shows how important controlling our picks is, right? right. Like it, which means you know, being bad, right? Right, right, which. Maybe that's maybe that's the lesson we learned is that, you know, we have we've kind of learned that, hey, we have to be bad for probably two more years, you know, and because what we put on the court this year wasn't wasn't enough. So um, and maybe that's their plan and how you're 
you're going to build around Shea. But my, my thing there is that like, if you get a guy in the 2023 draft, that's finally like maybe a guy that could run with Shea, you're going to start running up against it in terms of Shea's contract. Whenever that 2023 guy is ready to go, you know what I mean? Right. So it's really, it's really tough to see, see what the path forward here is. Um, you know, and it does show that like, look, you know, you can have 17 first round draft picks, but the reality is the only one of those that are like truly blue chip trade assets are your own picks, you know, and Cleveland didn't want the Clippers picks, you know, they didn't want Rockets picks, you know, like they wanted, they wanted Evan Mobley and we couldn't, we couldn't move up three spots to get Evan Mobley. And that's, that is a concern. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I don't know because Mobley Mobley would have been effing perfect. Like he to me is like the perfect balance of everything that I have been talking about in an NBA player. Like in that he is athletically gifted, he's super long, super big, and he is also extremely skilled as a big yeah. man. So he's like the perfect balance of what I've I was talking about. Yeah. You know, what I, I mean? feel like our opinion of Mobley has trended upwards ever since we started feeling like the Thunder were going to be able to trade for him. But I agree with you. Like um he's super good. Like I always thought he was super good. I just like the guards a little bit more. Right. You know, like I always thought he was great. Sure. But I, I don't know. Like if we had taken him at three, it meant that we took him over sucks. Sure. Um, and I, I feel like there, I feel like our statements in the past suggest we wouldn't have been happy about that though. I would say like today I would have been happy about that. Um, oh yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I mean, I, I guess if we had traded up to three today, I would have preferred us to take Suggs because I just really, really like Suggs. Um, but I don't think that that was realistic. I think we were, we had our eyes on Mobley. Yeah. Um, and I'm just saying that I would have been really, really happy to get Mobley. I think he would have been a perfect fit to go with, with Shea. And then, then you're kind of starting to build a core that, that makes sense and is is more balanced from a an athleticism to skill standpoint like you're right. not you're not skewing too far in one direction in my opinion with your core because right now if you look at i'm going to call giddy a core piece at this point okay just because sure. he's a high he's a high draft pick i'm sure the thunder would like him to be a core piece okay mm-hmm. i'm not going to count trey man um but we have shay obviously a core piece not a plus athlete average defender at best um we have josh giddy he's like a sneaky athlete and that he's not a bad athlete for i guess a white guy essentially is what i'm trying to say but he is not he's not ridiculously athletic at all he's not a plus athlete i don't think um and then you, you mentioned his wingspan earlier. Shea at least has like seven foot wingspan to go with his six six frame. Josh Giddy's six eight six eight, right? So there's no plus wingspan there. So if he's not a point guard, then he's not even really going to have any kind of size advantage, which is a problem because I'm sure that that was an aspect of his advantage in Australia that made him look so good, is that he was the six eight primary ball handler, and then. 
I think Poku is definitely a another guy that people would like to include in the core for the Thunder. Poku's not a good athlete. Like it's just that's just reality. Like he is not explosive in really any way. He's super long. He's super interesting. Laterally, he's slow. He's going to have to get better in that way. I think ideally Poku gets a lot stronger and winds up playing center. And then maybe he has some kind of like quickness advantage on the guys that he would be going up against. But as it stands, Poku is a seven foot wing that doesn't have a quickness advantage on anyone. Right. And defensively, He's a disaster on the perimeter. He can't guard anybody side to side. His best role as a defender is as a weak side shot blocker, um, which, you know, it's a reasonably good skill to have, but it's not something that you're like, he's not good at it, good enough at it to build your defense around that. So it's not a great thing there. Um, and then those are like, I mean, I guess you could throw Dort into that, right? Would you consider Dort a core piece? Um, I think we should until we trade him. Um, okay. And Dort is a really good athlete. Absolutely. He is not, not nearly as skilled as the other three guys that we talked about, but he's very athletic. The problem with Dort is he's probably like six, two and a half, six, three, you know, like, so he's not this huge dude for his position. You know, right. he's, a, he's pretty much point guard size. Now, obviously he's strong enough and he is good enough defensively to, do multiple things like he can guard multiple positions yeah but i mean dort size is a huge part of why i want the thunder to draft plus size guys from now on like if Dort's going to be a part of this team like he needs to be playing again playing with guards who can guard twos and threes um yeah and right yeah because if if dort is going to make his name defense if you're going to have dort in a situation where he's always going to have to guard the other team's threes like a his career is probably not going to last as long as it should. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to shine in his best role. Like Dort's best role should be to just murder point guards and twos. Yeah. Like yeah. make their lives miserable. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, God, there's so many. The This is the thing I, when, when I come back to this draft is I just am like, I want to see what Presti's board was. And obviously we never will. But like, just was it they really wanted Scotty Barnes and Josh Giddy was their second guy? Or was Josh Giddy the guy they were targeting at six all along? Like, there's, you know, what, with who in from, you know, uh, six to 15 would they have taken over Trey Mann? Right. Like those are the questions I want to answer because that I think would shine some light in the process here. Yeah. Um, The one thing I know is that this was purposeful, like, because that's like, that's the, there's absolutely no way it wasn't given who Sam Presti was. And also the nature of the moves we saw like passing on Shingun. Um, The thing I look at, um, I mean, what I say the thing I look at, like compare this to like the way the Knicks handled the draft and it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, there's a difference. Um, right. But it's, it's, it's really, really strange. Um, yeah. I will say with regards to Josh Giddy, um, 
the average height in the NBL is the same as it is in the NBA. Um, uh, the both in both leagues, it's about six six now. Um, so he's got plus size, um, legitimate plus size. Um, and he yeah. shot sixty four percent at the rim in the NBL. Yeah, which is not against the same quality of rim protectors, and there are going to be bigger rim protectors in the NBA, obviously, but there are fewer and fewer of those. I like, like you said, like, you know, Giddy's a guy that you hate and I get it. And there are a lot of really smart guys whose opinions you respect, who really disagree with you about that. Yeah. Who think that he's going to be able to shoot it. Um, But you know, that to me, who the hell knows, you know, he's really young is the other thing. Yeah. He, he, he will be, when does the season start? Does it start mid late October? To, yeah. Okay. Mid October, I believe. Right. So he'll have had his 19th birthday about a week before he starts playing in the NBA, which is right. about where Poku was. Right. Um, yeah. Which is weird. Um, so, like, <laughs> maybe he's going to be as bad as Poku, which maybe that's the plan. Like, this is the thing is like, it's, yeah, I don't know. Have the Thunder picked 55 yet? No, they're on 51 right now. Okay. Um, so Sharif I, Cooper I guess, fell to 48. Jesus Christ. I know. I know, right? <laughs> and he went to the Hawks, so he's going to play with Trey, which is hilarious. That's but, really funny. Oh um, so I, I guess my thing with Giddy to kind of a little bit more with him, like I, I understand what he can do well, you know, and I think that like – he is a, a really good passer, and I saw him make a lot of, you know, in his, his highlights and whatnot. He does a lot of nice things, but what I look at is that in a high-level playoff situation, which everything the Thunder claim to be building towards is competing at the highest level, right? Yeah. In a high level, I just cannot get out of my freaking head how many times in this playoff run – a team, whether it be the Bucks, the Nets, obviously the Clippers, they just put five like-sized guys on the court and they switched everything. And then all of a sudden it fucking doesn't matter how good you are at pick and rolls, right? Yeah. Because you're not creating any advantage by getting switches. You're not creating any advantage by having a drop coverage big. So in that situation, what does Josh Giddy do? Right. I know what James Booknight does in that situation. He's probably good enough to beat a guy one-on-one and get to the rim pretty consistently Yeah, and hit mid-range jump shots. That's why I was excited yeah. about James Booknight, right? As far as just pure talent on the basketball court, there's not much, probably not much difference between Booknight and Giddy. But I think if Booknight hits, you've got a guy that fits the playoff game perfectly. He's an yeah. isolation scorer that – can feast on mismatches yeah. with giddy you've got a guy that other teams are going to target defensively because he's not that big he's not that athletic and then offensively what's he going to do if they just start switching everything yeah do you want to hear a truly insane take um, please okay josh giddy is about the age Cade Cunningham was when he went to OSU. Yeah. 
He's a he's got very similar measurables to Kate Cunningham at OSU. I don't know what Kate's wingspan was. I'm assuming it was longer. Seven one. Okay, so significantly longer. Yeah, he's got the same offensive question mark Kate had going to OSU. Right. You're talking about the shot. The shot. Kate, Kate just became like this ridiculous shooter over overnight at OSU, and. Right. You're wondering if Josh Giddy could do the same at the same age. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is why it's a truly at. insane take. Right. But if Josh Giddy develops a shot, like, and it would have to be an elite shot to be as good as Cade's. Um, and the other thing is, like, Cade is such a better defender. <laughs> but, yeah. like, not a huge difference athletically. Um, like, I think Cade is a better athlete, but not like, that much better we've like there's a reason the comparison for Cade for a lot of people is Chris Middleton it's because he's a guy who like will develop his offense in spite of his athleticism in spite of the slowness of his first step right um like again I I am couching this by saying this take is insane but if you squint (laughs) there's something there is there I don't like know. I, I, I mean, I understand what you're going for. And, you know, I've heard plenty of people like Sam Vecini. Obviously, we, we really like him. And Sam Vecini has said, I've heard him say multiple times that of all the guys that are, if they shoot it types, he feels most confident that Josh Kitty will shoot out of that group. That makes me feel good. I like that quite a lot. Um, but, Generally, when you talk about if they shoot it, guys, you aren't talking about guys that turn into Kate Cunningham and are just like automatically just turn into awesome shooters, right? You're talking about guys that hopefully become like league average shooters, okay? And that is fine. Like, I hope he gets there. Like, he really is going to have to get there. But if Josh Giddy is not an elite shooter, he's going to have problems scoring offensively. Right. And that's going to impact his passing, you know, right. again, at the highest levels of basketball in, in the regular season, I'm sure he's going to be fine. Either being a secondary creator, running pick and rolls. Like that's cool. I like all of that, but in the highest levels of basketball, if he's going up against elite defenders and he's not an elite shooter, he's going to have problems creating anything against those guys. And so that that really concerns me. I I hope that Josh Giddy turns into an amazing player. I hope I am absolutely thoroughly wrong about everything, right? I There have been times where it, during this process that I was like, I really kind of talked myself into Giddy. Um, but the closer it got to the draft, the more I was really thinking of guys like Kaminga and, and Booknight for, for them and in terms of what fit the Thunder's needs. Um, Let's talk about Trey Mann just a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, Trey Mann, an interesting – it's funny to me that Vecini had Trey Mann um, below Robinson Earl in his guide. Um, but uh, Trey Mann, so you got a guy 6'4", 190, um, about a 6'4", wingspan. Um which, uh, I mean, the reality of that is, like, this is a guy who can probably guard ones and not a ton else. Um, some twos. 
Um, And, you know, we're, and we're entering an age in the NBA where teams are going to be playing multiple guards. Um, Yeah. You know, upwards of three guards. So that's not the worst thing in the world, but it is a negative. Like he's not Ayudasumu or James Book Knight or any number of other guys who had very significant plus wingspans for their size. Um, yeah. Like um, Moses Moody, who the Warriors got at the end of the lottery. Um, yeah. So all of um, all of that to say, like defensively, he's not, he doesn't have the size you would love. Um, he is um, a good shooter like a good ass shooter. Um, yeah. He took a huge leap in shooting this year. Um, yeah. 40% from three, 83% from the line, up from 27 and 66 in 2019. Um, and um, yeah, he's, uh, he's going to be a good shooter. He's going to be a good shooter in pick and roll situations, which... Yeah. Um, is interesting because we don't have a center. Um, he's yeah. um, doesn't. Ha- he's not an incredible passer. I think Sam Vecini correctly notes like he's a good enough passer in a lot of situations because he sees the basic reads out of the pick and roll, and you know that's frequently enough. Um, like when I talk about guys who are good enough passers, I'm. Not, in my ideal team, I'm not talking about guys who are significantly better passers than Trey Mann is right now. Like guys who can just make a simple, correct play when it presents itself to them. Yeah. Um, he doesn't need to be Trey Young. Um, but if he right. was Trey Young, that would be a plus um, that he doesn't have. Um, yeah. So he's a guy he can score in the pick and roll. Um, right. He is not super fast and he is not, like I said, he's not super big. Um, yeah. and he's not a great defender. Yeah. He's not a good defender. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It, and, and he's that, also not a get to the, and he does, also isn't a guy who gets to the rim a lot. Um, right. Well, he's, you know, he is going to have to use the, the shooting as, as his way to get to the rim. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, if you watch his highlights, he does, he does kind of look a lot like Shay in terms of how he does go about scoring. Yeah. Um, you know, the difference, obviously, you said he's 6'4 with a 6'4 wingspan. Shea is 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan. So there's there's your difference there. Right. Um, but they're similar, they're similar navigators of court space, which is right. good. Like, yeah. Trey Man can be a successful player in the NBA. Um, but I just, again, like the upside of him being a, a good defender is probably not there. Um, and, you know, again, he's not – overly athletic so um thunder just selected aaron wiggins as at 55 55. yes aaron wiggins aaron wiggins out of maryland yeah six foot six 200 pounds he's a wing knows how to play multiple instruments including piano and trombone that's fantastic good for aaron yeah, honestly, I don't know anything about Aaron Wiggins. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, he's not a guy that uh, got re- got onto my radar as I prepared for the draft. So, um, but yeah, with, with sh- but let's go on and, and talk about Jeremiah Robinson Earl and why 
this is maybe the most disappointing pick for me of the night um, because Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a four, and I think he is only a four in that he can't guard threes and he is not – he can't be a center. You know, if you play him at center, you're just going to be a layup line against you. Yeah. Um, I don't – don't like those kind of guys in today's NBA, especially. Um, he is he's a smart player. He's skilled. He can shoot it a little bit. He, he had a really good mid-range game, which I think will kind of expand out to three-point range in the NBA. Um, but I I did not like this pick. He's not a good athlete. He's, you know, again, went to Villanova. They do a really good job of preparing guys for the NBA. He's a super smart, super smart player. But I just I don't value players like that. If I'm just being completely honest with you, um, I just, I don't care about a guy that's going to be undersized for his position. That is not very athletic. He's going to get picked on defensively, even if he's a smart defender. I just, I don't care. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't see him as this like freakish offensive skill set to counteract any of that. So. No. Yeah. It's kind of, I kind of get a feeling this is like discount Franz Wagner without the defensive upside. Right. And yeah, Wagner at least can like play the three, you know, yeah. and like, I, I don't think Robinson is a three at all. Um, I think he is a four that like, maybe if you're playing, you know, small ball lineups, you put him at the five, but again, it's, you're going to struggle defensively if that's what you're yeah. doing. So. Well, and this is where, again, like a weird pick. Not a center, not a three. He's a four, a position that's becoming a log jam on the Thunder, I feel. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's um, it's just a really weird pick that I don't understand. And the degree to which I don't understand it makes it difficult to understand, like, to judge it. Other than, like, I don't understand it. <laughs> like, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know. It's, it's a weird pick and, you know, they traded up for it, you know, which I'm just going to assume that they knew that somebody ahead of them liked him, you know, that otherwise you don't make that trade. Um, and, and we'll see, like he might, I think he's a guy, he might wind up go, go looking at, you know, we're going to watch him in summer league here. He's probably going to look pretty good because he's a good, he's a good basketball player and there's not a bunch of guys at summer league that are just going to be able to pick on his physical disadvantages, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so to clarify, great. Trading up, we jumped the Knicks and the Magic for him. Yeah, the Clippers traded up as well, just like Jason Preston right after us. But right. I don't. I mean, it's not like they were planning on trading up for Jeremiah Robinson Earl and then decided to just trade up anyways. Yeah, no, I mean, I. Who knows? Who knows I, what the deal is? But I don't. I, yeah, I don't think that this was like a. Well, we have two picks, and we really only want one, so let's just get rid of one. I don't think it's like that. You know, mm -hmm. I think that they probably really like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and you know, if they did make the trade up, you know, second round picks are super easy to trade for. So, another team could have easily probably traded up to get him if they wanted to instead yeah. of. Yeah, whoever, whoever else you mentioned, I forget. I'm so. really glad 
when I got to pick number 54 and read Pacers draft Sandro Mamukalashvili that it then continued to say reportedly traded to the Bucks because the Pacers drafted another center. I was going to die. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can, can we talk about just real quick, like, who, like, I mean, I think the Pacers had a worse night than the Thunder. Like, I can't imagine being a Pacers fan. I would be so frustrated. Like, they just – they took the oldest guy in the draft. They took another center. And right. which they they're gonna trade one of them, right? They have to, right? One of Miles or um, Sabonis are are gonna be out the door. Well, they they also have a guy they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago, Goga Batadze. Oh like who God, is? I forgot about Goga. Like, yeah, they they have to trade yeah. some of them, right? I mean, you would think, you would think, but. You know, they're the Pacers and they're yeah. weird. And yeah. Pacers drafting Chris, Chris Duarte, by the way, is what let the Warriors draft Moses Moody with the pick after them. I know. I like think about this. Like, if the Thunder had left the first round with the Warriors picks and the Thunder were in objectively a better position than the Warriors, like they had 16 and 18, the Thunder easily could have gotten ahead of the Warriors to trade up if they had wanted to. And if the Thunder had come away with Jonathan Kaminga at six and traded up to like 12 to get Moses Moody, I think both of us would be over the moon right now. I think, I mean, I think we, I think we would be satisfied. Um, I think we would be happier about Moody than we were about Kaminga. Yeah. I mean, but even Kaminga, man, like that dude is a swing that makes sense to me. Like I see, very i see ridiculous upside and i also see a guy that kind of balances out the roster that you you've got these field guys and poku and shay kaminga like gives you an element of ridiculous athleticism that balances that out you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then moses moody is a guy that at the two is ridiculously long he's not a great athlete but he's super long for his position you know, six five with like a seven one wingspan, like that's ridiculous. And he's a guy that can probably is going to shoot the shit out of the ball. Like that is a, a starting two guard in the NBA. You know what I mean? And if you're going, if the Thunder leave tonight with a potential lineup of Shea, Moody, Kaminga, Poku, and who fucking cares about center? You know what I mean? Then I feel really good about what we're doing. But as it stands, like what are like what is our our lineup like? And this know, is what Shea. yeah. This is why I say I don't. This is where like I can't. I can't tell you how I feel about our lineup because I couldn't tell you what it is. Right. Like, unless like part of me looks at this draft and says, "Oh, okay, the Thunder are like really confident about Poku developing into a true five. and part of me is like. Or the Thunder have just decided that centers don't matter. Like, I, yeah. Like, or, right uh, now, we're looking at Shea, Dort, Giddy, Poku, and like Baisley or Roby right now. Which I mean, I'm not even concerned about center, but I'm just talking about from a future standpoint. Like, I of even the first four guys I mentioned. I don't I don't mind them individually as players, but I don't like the balance between all four of those guys. 
You know, if it were Kaminga and, Mo- and Moody, then like I think that there's a good balance of of skill and athleticism and length of defense. I think that there's a good balance there, but I just, I mean, outside of Dort, there is no defense, you know? Yeah. None. So I, I don't know. It's, it scares me, man. Like I, I get being scared. I get being scared and I understand why you're mad. I think like, I don't understand this enough to be mad at it. Um, And part of me like sees that and thinks, you know, I don't think Sam Presti is an idiot. No, I think he's – I mean, I've been standing Sam Presti for years. Like, I think the guy's awesome, you know. And, like, the chances of him being right are way higher than the chances of me being right. I can tell you that. But this is the thing is I don't know what it even looks like if he's right. Right, right? yeah, that's Because that's I can't see it, I feel like I can't judge it. Yeah. And that um, that's a good point. That is a good point. Poku to me has been really because you know I, you know I like to project ahead and kind of just imagine what a good the next good Thunder team looks like, and I just I don't know what to do with Poku in that situation, and now I don't really know what to do with Giddy in that situation either. Right. You know what I mean? Or or Trey just Man, or Jeremiah Robinson Earl, um, right? Yeah, there's like, yeah. So I don't know, you know, I do. I like I one thing you can take from this draft, I think, if you choose, like, because all that's left for us now is reading tea leaves is like the Thunder actually don't think Shea is the cornerstone of the franchise forever. Like, sure. Um, or you can take this to mean like the Thunder think Shea is a two <laughs> like. <laughs> and yeah. and you know I don't know um, I think the thing with guys I, and this is the difficulty with Poku is I don't know what the Thunder do with him if he's not part of the future um, because frankly he's either going to be good enough that he's worth keeping around or he's going to or he's not going to be tradable right for sure um, which is weird. Like he's, he's a weird player in a weird situation. And so when you say like, I don't know what he looks like in the future, that means like, I don't know what the future is like. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, like a lot of the guys that are projected as high, high picks this year, kind of weird, you know, like how the fuck would Chet Holmgren fit? In what right. This is here? the thing about you know the 22, 2022 draft is I don't think I like it. I think I like yeah. Pablo. Yeah, like that. I, I kind of like him too. Um, um, but other than that, like, you know. Paolo, I, I think, is is his name, actually. Paolo. Why did I say Pablo? Yeah. <laughs> Paolo Benchero. Benchero, yeah. Like that guy, that dude's really big. It makes some sense. He's still not like an overly long player, though. So, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. But, like, what if, what if we draft – Nikola Jovic. You know, do you know anything about Nikola Jovic? I know that he's like 6'9, um, and that his name is gonna give people fits for years. Um, but he's a, yeah, like he's a super skilled Serbian guard wing. Like Yeah. Yeah. So he's gonna be another guy, probably <laughs> not gonna be overly good defensively. 
you know, and we're going to throw another below average athlete into this lineup. You know, even if it's, it could be the most skilled lineup in the history of the world. If you can't defend and you're not athletic at any spot in your starting five, you're fucked in the playoffs. Yeah. Like you just are, you are fucked in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And maybe like, maybe Presti agrees with me that like the best two prospects in the next and this draft in the next two drafts are all in 2023. Yeah. Um, which I don't like, what do you even do in that situation? Like, because how do you plan to be bad in two years? Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that definitely is a, you're trading, you're trading Shay at that point, I think. Yeah. But, Cause I don't, yeah, I have no idea. Like, yeah. This can get fixed if we just get Victor Wimbanyama in a couple years, and then it's like, okay, everything makes sense and everything's great. But that's one guy, you know? And right. So who knows, man? I, I'm i just surprised. Honestly, I'm just surprised. Like, I think that coming out of tonight, I expect that just a more clear image in my head of what we were going to be moving forward. And I just – that's not the case clearly and and i there's a degree to which like if we had drafted book night and like um like if we had drafted book night and then garuba with six and 18 um and still like and everything else stayed the same maybe you know maybe we do something else with in the second round that doesn't really matter like i would understand (laughs) yeah but i don't know if we would be much better yeah, I don't either. Like that's that's absolutely because I think from a from a talent standpoint, I think we got similar talents to those guys. You know, and maybe a stretch. I I mean, I like Garuba quite a bit more than Trey Man. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, I mean, at least I do from too, a, But they're such different players, and right. Like, and Garuba was the play, and of those two players, I think Garuba was the more natural fit on this team. And so yeah. that confuses me because clearly Sam Presley and I have a different vision of what this team should look like. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, and, not, I, and not just like ideally, like next year, what this team should look like. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't care about next year, but I, I would like to know what his ultimate image is. You know, yeah. like I, yeah, I would be super interested in that. And, you know, obviously we're never going to know. You know, and obviously it changes too. Like if, if you get the number one pick next year, it's going to be different than if you get the number six pick next year. So, um, and you know, I think we had, like they did, they made the most out of what they thought their situation was. Like if we had the number three pick with Mobley and then we all feel great, you know, and it's, it's not this weird situation, but who knows, man? Right. Like I, I just wish that I had gone differently. I wish, I wish they had taken players that I liked more. You know, like if yeah. they had taken Book Knight, or if they had taken Kaminga and then traded up and gotten Moody. I mean, I would just be so thrilled with yeah. what we have. You I know? mean, and it just yeah, the Warriors had my draft. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> or even the even the Hornets, right? Like they. They took, they took advantage. They took Book Knight. They traded for Kai Jones. Right. Like both of those guys, like. both of those guys make sense in my brain. 
You know what I mean? In terms that yeah. they are ridiculous athletes and they are, they have really, really high ceilings. Um, talent wise, they're both probably similar talent wise to the guys we got even. So it's just who the fuck knows. Right. right. And that's, that's the thing. And I will, I will say at the beginning of this podcast, if I turn out to be even remotely wrong about this, that is perfectly fine. I hope I am. And I will admit it. Um, I, I generally think that when it comes to the NBA, at least I've, I try not to hold down onto opinions that I know are wrong unless I just think it's funny at, at a certain point, you know, but right. Um, if, if I'm wrong about this, I will, I will come out and admit it, but I also feel comfortable and feel fine about being super negative about it tonight. Yeah. I'm not going to stop you. I think it's really funny how negative you are. Um, it's, it provides me a lot of joy. Um, uh, not because I think you're wrong, just because I just, it's just like, it's such a weird thing. It's such an extreme reaction. Um, the, um, I guess the one thing about book night is on the one hand, I'm like, okay, he fell like pretty significantly as a guy, people were talking about getting taken at six, but the only team that didn't the only team in that section, whose like opinion about the stuff I respect was the warriors, um, who took Kaminga instead. Um, at the same time, it's like, why was Book Knight up at six? Because people said people said a lot of teams really liked him, and then he had really great workouts. And then those teams didn't draft him. So yeah. are they lying? Maybe his, is his shooting actually not better than it appeared in the in the regular season? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I just I think teams just were looking for something different. You know, I yeah. think the Thunder, I think the Thunder have this mold in their mind and book night does not fit that mold. We knew that, right. We know that book is not a guy that's like this super high feel for the game that passes great, can handle the ball and sees the floor. Amazingly. I, we all knew that. Um, and the thunder were looking for something different. You know, you look at Orlando, maybe they take him if they didn't get Jalen sucks at five, yeah. you know, like, yeah, but Suggs and Book Knight is an, is a weird fit. They already have a billion guards on their roster, anyways. Right. You know. Yeah. I will say, I will say, and maybe the Thunder wouldn't have done this, but I'm moderately happy that Orlando picked Suggs because if if we took Giddy Suggs, Suggs had was been on the board, there, I'd be, I would be right with you. I would absolutely be with you. I would be dead right now. Like it just, <laughs> I would have seized life. Like it just. Yeah. Like I, yeah. That, like somehow I, we have discovered something I would have hated more than trading up for Scotty Barnes. Right. It's if yeah, if, if Jalen Suggs is there for you at six and you don't draft him, that to me is like worst case scenario ever. So, anyways, yeah, I was um, like, it's this draft has been super fun to like follow. Like it's been one of the deeper drafts that I can remember. Yeah, and um, like like were, we said, were, it's uh, just so apparently so 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 flat yeah um you know we had got we had second rounders drafted in the lottery um we had um you know and then guys like uh and, and you know the uh the uh the opposite um i say the opposite i would assume it went wasn't really a lottery pick, but he went 38 that's later than i thought he would keon yeah. johnson fell to 21 um, and I think 
got drafted there mainly as a favor to his agent, who is also Paul George's <laughs> agent. I don't really know what the Clippers want out of him. Yeah. Um, you know, the Rockets had what I think is personally kind of a really wacky draft. I think they're yeah. They're gonna be so. A lot of weird. people liked it. A lot I of mean, really yeah. Liked you, what you, they did. you pick the number two guy with the number two pick. Good job. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. But and then you know they trade up for Shangun, and then they trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't trade up, and then they t- but then they take Usman Garuba and Josh Christopher. Um, taking Shingun and Garuba is interesting. Um, to well, yeah, I, I mean, people have been talking about oh, they could be a really good fit together, and I don't, I don't, maybe know they that. can. I don't agree. Like, I mean, they're both centers, and neither of them can shoot at this current moment, and like they do offensively. You know, like if you're gonna run pick and rolls with Shingun offensively, what the fuck is Garuba doing? in that right, situation exactly. yeah you know what i mean so um it's it's a weird fit and then josh christopher you know i think he was a fine pick like i yeah you know he was uh, he was a similar caliber as a lot of those guys but, yeah i know yeah he's just he's one of the guards who went late like sure yeah um oh shit we didn't talk about russ oh yeah that's a whole thing we should talk about really oh, quickly fuck. let me finish ragging on the rockets because Please. there's going to be periods of time where Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Christian Wood, and Alpern Shingun are all going to be on the floor at the same time, and they're just not playing defense. That's going to be it's great. Gonna, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be okay. fantastic. Russ I, to the Lakers. Real quick. Really, I, wanna, I feel like set the scene for your <laughs> night, honestly. Yeah. I feel like a lot of this is maybe Russ to the Lakers' feelings. Okay. So I do want to say that when it comes to other teams, I am all about them not playing defense. I love watching other teams that don't play defense. Like, so the, the Rockets, if they want to build a team that's all skill, all offense, go right ahead. I just don't want my team to do that. That's that's how I feel. Um, and that's why I'm complaining about the Thunder and applauding the Rockets for that. But so my day started in a really hopeful place. You know, I woke up, I've been looking, <laughs> I've been looking forward. I've been looking forward to the draft for months now. And, you know, I had been really looking, you know, obviously I was looking at the three picks the Thunder had in the first round, but I also was really excited about what the Lakers could do at 22, you know? And um, I, I woke up today and I'm seeing rumors of the Lakers pulling off a trade that included Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell um, to get Buddy Heald. And the first version of that I saw, they weren't even going to have to get their 22nd pick in the draft. So that was fantastic. I loved it. Um, and so I was just thinking, oh, man, while well, thinking of Buddy Heald, like setting screens and, and coming off movement, shooting threes from LeBron and just the space that he was going to open up for, for the Lakers. And so I got really excited. You know, Amantras Harold opted into his contract and that was like the last thing that needed to happen for this trade to go down. And then I get the uh, the Shams bomb that the Lakers are progressing towards a trade for a guard named Russell Westbrook. Um, and I, 
I think I messaged the group DM a couple couple days ago, like dreading the idea of having to tuck myself into a Russell Westbrook fit with LeBron and AD. Um, and I just had kind of forgotten about that and realized like, oh, it's, it's definitely not going to happen. Um, and then of course it did. And of course the, the trade involved the Lakers 22nd pick, um, and can save his call of Pope for the Lakers really need. Um, and all of this is just so like, I'm not even sure it's going to work. Like I get might work. But just the idea that I'm going to have to go back to watching Russell Westbrook play basketball regularly and like having to be invested in the results that that produces is just I'm already exhausted by just thinking about that. Yeah. 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 Um my immediate thoughts about this trade were um, that you really didn't actually seem like a lot for the wizards to get back. Um, they got a late first um, and th- three guys who I really wouldn't want to base my future around at all. Um, uh, KCP, who's a win now guy, Kyle Kuzma, who a lot of people right. um, on Twitter say should be playing in China um, <laughs> and Montres Harrell, who I don't really like. Um so I don't really know. Uh, who did the Wizards take with twenty-two? Isaiah Jackson. Okay. Okay. Sure. No, well, they, they, they traded, traded that to the, to the Pacers. Pacers. So they didn't even use that bit. Right. What did they get back for that? Do we know? Okay. I believe they got Aaron Wiggins. Not Aaron Wiggins. Uh, shit. Aaron Holiday. Aaron, right, Holiday Aaron Holiday. And um, and then they got thirty-one as well. Who they, they took? took Isaiah I think they Todd. Took Isaiah Todd. Okay. Um, so, and they're just going to, I guess they've, they, that they're, they think they'll keep Bradley Beal, which building sure. around Bradley Beal. Yeah. That's worked really well for them. I would say um, it's been a great time. Yeah. All I of mean, those. I, every team in the NBA, every team in the NBA would love to have Bradley Beal. Um, is apparently he doesn't care about winning. Um, and, um, you know, it was interesting. You had said that every player, um, every team would like a player like Bradley Beal. Um, and I guess my counter to that is clearly not enough to actually trade for him. Well, I mean, like, they is he even available? Has he ever been available? Right. You know, like, I know. It seems like Washington just once is content with keeping him and like building eight seeds around him. You know, yeah. if he wants to do it, then they're down to do it too. You know, so it's it's a it's weird, really interesting. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Yeah. I don't. Um, I'm glad that I'm not a fan of that team. Right. Can, can you tell me, like, from your perspective as someone that has no rooting interest in the Los Angeles Lakers, how you feel like? this rust thing could go um i think it will probably be fine um <laughs> i think um that the lakers without rust were already probably a contender um i think they will miss kcp at times um but he's a replaceable asset um i think russ will take pressure off lebron to have to perform in the regular season which will help them in the long run 
I think the idea of LeBron of Russ playing with LeBron is fascinating and not in like a, I am excited to see the best basketball in the world sort of way. Um, right. I, um, it's interesting to me because like Russ, <laughs> like we talked about how like AD doesn't want to play center. Right. Right. Russ kind of has to play quote unquote center um, is what we learned from his rocket stint. Um, at least on offense. Um, it's, 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 I don't know what it's going to look like, frankly. Um, and I think that it'll probably be fine. And I think it'll make you really mad. Like my immediate, my prediction is like, they will be a good basketball team that you hate watching. I mean, that, that is very possible. Um, I guess my, like, cause I quickly, unlike with the Thunder's draft picks, I quickly went into like reasoning mode and like trying to talk myself yeah. into this yeah. thing. Because yeah, like, see, like you're willing to justify the moves Rob Polinka makes. I see how it is. <laughs> well, I, I do like, I objectively like Russ as a person. Like, I mean, so yeah. there is like a. No, Russ, is, Russ is a great person. He's, he's an easy person to root for. As a right. player, it's more complicated. Yeah. And what I came up with from a talking myself into it as a as a Lakers supporter was that this will require Anthony Davis to be the lone big on the court much more often. And if the Lakers can sign two guys and start them at the two and the four that can shoot the basketball, I don't think that there's spacing issues for the Lakers because LeBron, nobody's fucking sagging off LeBron. Right. Even if he's not the greatest shooter ever, it's fucking LeBron James. You're not sagging off LeBron. Nobody's going to sag off Anthony Davis. Just purely on reputation, nobody's going to sag off either of those guys. Right. So essentially you have a four out, one in thing with Russ as the non-shooter on the court. Now the problem does come when you have LeBron as because you want LeBron to have the ball in his hands at like especially the biggest moments. Like right. And Russ then, offers almost nothing to you without the ball in his hand on offense. Right. So the the ball will need to be in Russ's hands more often than probably LeBron is comfortable with. And I mean, like I with Russ as a sh- like off ball player, I will say he is not Andre Robertson in terms of how teams defend him. Like no. they're not no. it's not like having Andre Drummond on the court. Like teams are not just gonna like completely ignore Russ because then he'll just like drive if he if he gets the ball right exactly. I mean, yeah, he's lost a step probably, but he still yeah. has the reputation of being like a top one athlete in the NBA. He's he's still fucking Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So I think that offensively, the Lakers can make it work. Defensively, it can work depending on who they – like, obviously, all of this depends on who they bring in to fill up, fill in the roster. Like, if they bring in some guys that are, you know, reasonable defenders, like, they can be fine defensively. And then this could probably be something that, especially in the regular season, works really well. And then in the playoffs, like, I – I guess you just 
hope that the fact that like LeBron's going to take more of the ball, you're not going to have those like three for 21 rust nights in the playoffs. Right. You know? Like, yeah. I, my thing when I look at this is I look at what the, th- what the Lakers gave up to get a guy who can play like a star, um, who can have star nights and like, I don't think Kyle Kuzma provided playoff value. Montrezl Harrell definitely didn't. KCP did. Contavious Caldwell Pope was a good playoff player for them. Yeah. Um, he's the a good. Thing about, the thing about Kyle Kuzma is that he had like low key become a pretty good wing defender, and now they just yeah. don't have one. Yeah. And maybe like the fact that like, you know, probably not gonna have to worry about the Clippers next year. That was always the team that you like actually needed him for. Um, maybe it's not as big of an issue next year, um, but you know they are going to have to find wing defenders. Like that is absolutely going to have to happen um, just to get through the regular season. You got to have wing defenders, so that's a concern. You know, KCP was also their probably their you know one of their better guard defenders. Yeah. So that because my have to find guys to replace them. Yeah, I will say my immediate thought when I was when I heard rumors of like a Lakers trade for Russ situation, I was like, well, you know, if they have AD anchoring the rim and KCP at the point of attack, then they've got like two like hilariously good free safeties. Um, but they don't have KCP at the point of attack. Um, and yeah. frankly, Russ as a free safety is a double edged sword. Right. Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, I think it'll be fine. I think, um, like, what um, what's his face? Their coach, whose name I forgot. God, it's it's getting slightly late for us. Frank Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. Yeah, I knew it was Frank something. Whatever. Frank Vogel is a good defensive coach. I th- I think he's proven that pretty definitively. Um, yeah. I think this is going to be probably the most solidly like equipped defensive scheme Russ has played in in a long time, probably maybe even better than any of the Billy Donovan teams. Um, Anthony Davis is the best defender he's ever played with. Um, LeBron James is the best playmaker he's ever played with. This is the best team. Russell Westbrook. No, I don't know. (laughs) This certainly since KD left is the best team. Russell Westbrook's been on. Um, But it's also the team that's been most definitively not his maybe in his entire career. Yeah, this is going to be a true test because every team Russell Westbrook has ever been on has turned into his team. Yeah, you know, even went, the Rockets had to remake yeah. themselves around him. Yeah, exactly. He went to uh, Houston, the team became his. He went to Washington, the team became his. The team was always his with KD. Even yeah, though Kevin KD Durant was, was on the court better. and it was Russ's team. Like that has become an accepted yeah. part of Thunder lore. Um, right. You know. So it's going to be interesting to see because, like, he will have to do stuff off ball because LeBron is maybe the greatest playmaker of all time, you know? And so there could be really good opportunities for Russell Westbrook attacking a defense that's slanted way away from him, which we have never seen that happen before. So, like, that could be – it could be great. It could be really, really good. Um, But – I mean, I'm scared as hell. When we talk about defenses slanted way away from him, how much more slanted could a defense be away from him than when he's on the floor with James Harden? You know? Well, and I. And the Lakers will play differently than that team because that team played abominable basketball that hated. 
Um, and the Lakers will play abominable basketball that I find funny. Um, but I will say, like, Russ was had the most efficient year of his career. That's his, true. Yeah. You know, After was, they kicked every center off the team. Has anybody let Andre Drummond oh, yeah. know this trade yeah. has happened? He's that dude's got to be gone. Can, like, can you imagine a lineup where they have Andre Drummond at center? Like, I don't even care who the other the two guard is. Like, yeah, you're just, just gonna fucking suck. Yeah, at, that's gonna be miserable. Yeah, it's gonna be really, really bad. Yep. Yeah, I have I have no idea who these like. There's been like these talks of these mystical veterans that are gonna that are gonna come to the Lakers and play for free if they you know if they sign another star. I have no idea who those guys are. The free agent class sucks balls this year. Yeah. So like apparently the there's these like incredible two way wings and fours that are waiting for their opportunity to go play for the Lakers. So, right. Yeah. Uh, well you know one guy who's in this free agency class is pretty good is Dennis Schroeder. Oh wait. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Dennis Schroeder has any interest in, in playing next to Russell Westbrook again. No, um, and I, I don't I think have the Lakers less have any interest, interest in, in watching either. that. Um, yeah, no, um, I don't really know what the Lakers are going to do with the two and four spots, um, but they'll find something. Maybe Taylor Horton Tecker will take another jump. Uh, maybe he just actually is the goat, and he'll prove it next year. Hey. He just automatically becomes a forty percent three point shooter. Yeah. That space is the floor. Yeah. That'd be that's best case scenario. And then maybe like maybe Nick Batum decides he wants to actually compete for a championship instead of being on a fake team in LA and makes the move across the hall or something. Right. I don't know. Um, like I, uh, I don't know. just throwing shit out there. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, the Lakers traded for Russ. Started my day as as less good than I wanted it to be. And then the thunder did nothing to help my mood for the rest of the day. So. Yeah. What a, what a day. Um, we have to wrap up because it's getting late and we've been going a long time. Um, yes. But this is, um, this was the draft. This was, this was it. It was weird. I am not comfortable saying whether I liked it or not. Um, and that's about all I can say about it. Um, Alex obviously didn't like it, and he also didn't like what the Lakers did, even though he's justified it. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he will give him like three weeks, and he'll justify what the Thunder did. Um, but in the meantime, um, everybody go look up Aaron Wiggins highlights. We know literally nothing about him. Um, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, follow us on Twitter at Perd underscore Happily and at RW Maxi. Um, and stay tuned, um, because next is free agency and, uh, football stuff also. We'll see.